we will be considering Baptist Catechism number 102 this afternoon. It asks, what is the Lord's Supper? Answer, the Lord's Supper is an ordinance of the New Testament instituted by Jesus Christ, wherein by giving and receiving bread and wine, according to His appointment, His death is shown forth, and the worthy receivers are, not after a corporeal or and carnal manner, but by faith made partakers of His body and blood, with all His benefits to their spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. I would like to read 1 Corinthians 11:23 through 34 Would you hear now the reading of God's holy word? This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also He took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together it will not be for judgment. About the other things I will give directions when I come. This now the reading of God's holy word. May He add His blessing to the teaching of the faith this afternoon. The question, what is the Lord's Supper, has been somewhat controversial throughout the history of the church, and especially at the time of the Protestant Reformation. Over time, four views have emerged concerning the substance of the bread and the wine. These four views each differ in their opinion concerning what Christ meant when He said the words, This is my body and this is my blood. How are we to take that statement? The Romanist view is called transubstantiation. It is the idea that when the priest blesses the elements, they do actually turn into the body and blood of Jesus. Again, I say this is the Romanist view, the view of Rome. It is called transubstantiation. And the Reformers rightly dismissed this as an unbiblical position and even superstition. The Lutherans, following Luther hold to a view called consubstantiation. The idea here is that the elements remain bread and wine, but that the real body and blood of Christ are present all around the elements when they are blessed, so that Christ is really present bodily around the elements of bread and wine. Those following the reformer Ulrich Zwingli hold to what is known as the memorialist view. This is the one that I was raised with. You probably were raised with it too. The idea here is that Christ is not present at all in or around the elements, but that the church is merely called to remember the work of Christ in the supper. The supper, according to this view, is a memorial 
only. It is a time for remembering. And so Christ is not present really in any way uh, with the bread and with the wine. And finally, the Calvinists walk a middle road between the memorialists and the Lutherans by insisting that though Christ is not present bodily, He is present in a special way spiritually when the church assembles to observe the supper. The Calvinist position agrees with Zwingli that the supper is a memorial and that there is no real presence of Christ bodily. And the Calvinist position also agrees with the Lutherans that the supper is more than a mere memorial for Christ is present in a special way according to His divinity. And it is the Calvinistic position that we hold to here at Emmaus. It is the one that is found within our confession and our catechism. When Christ said, This is my body, and this is my blood, it should be clear to all that He was not speaking in a literal way, but rather meant, This signifies or represents my body and blood. That would have been the natural way for the disciples to take his words. Remember, they sat with him and watched him hold the bread and the cup with his hands. They could easily distinguish between the bread and his body and the wine and his blood. Add to this the fact that Christ also said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Isn't that interesting? So this cup is the new covenant. Obviously, the meaning is that this cup represents the new covenant with all of its promises and terms. And so too we are to take the phrase, this is my body and this is my blood. Uh, They are not literally the body and blood of Christ, but do represent His body broken and His blood shed for sinners in the new covenant. The disciples must have known that. He was speaking in a figurative way. And when Christ instituted the supper, He did call His disciples to remember Him. Do this in remembrance of Me, He said. So the supper is a memorial. It is a time for remembering. It is a time for giving thanks. Zwingli was not wrong about that. But we say that it is also more than a memorial. The supper is to be viewed as a means of grace through which God nourishes His people by the Spirit. That it is a means of grace is proven in part, um, in part by the fact that to eat and drink in an unworthy manner results in what? It results in judgment, according to the passage that we have just read in 1 Corinthians 11. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Paul even goes on to say that some of you were weak and ill. Some have died because of their unworthy partaking of the Lord's Supper. The point that I am here making is this. If the supper were only a memorial, if it were only a time for remembering Christ crucified and risen, if it were only a time for giving thanks then why is there this judgment that is pronounced upon those who partake in an unworthy manner? Obviously, there is something more going on here. This this meal is viewed by the Apostle and by us as being a sacred meal, a, a meal that is spiritual, a meal where the Lord really is present with His people, a meal where His people are called to come and to commune with Him. And it's only by understanding the Lord's Supper in this way that we can make sense of Paul's words regarding eating and drinking judgment upon yourself. After all, even a non-believer could come and sit and remember 
Christ Jesus crucified and risen. And if that is all He is doing, there is no harm in that. Non-believers are welcome to remember Christ, are they not? To remember the historical fact that He was crucified. Now there is something sacred going on here. This is a spiritual meal. The Lord really is communing with His people at the Lord's table according to His divine nature and by the Spirit of God whom He has sent. And so, for this reason, because it is more than a memorial, the supper is to be approached with reverence. This is what our catechism teaches. The Lord's Supper is an ordinance of the New Testament, is the first thing that it says. So, true, the Lord's Supper was instituted as Christ celebrated the last Passover with His disciples. There is some connection between the Passover feast that the Jews had celebrated yearly for generations and the Lord's Supper. There is a connection between the two things. But the Lord's Supper is distinct from the Passover. It's a new thing. It is an ordinance of the New Testament. And it is an ordinance that Jesus Christ instituted. So then if we wish to know what the Lord's Supper is and how it is to be observed, we must go to the New Testament Scriptures and listen to the words of Christ and His Apostles. Remember we said something similar about baptism? If we wish to know what baptism is, who it is to be given to, and what it symbolizes, it's important that we go to the New Testament to find out. Yes, it is true that baptism has some roots in the Old Testament, particularly the ceremonial washings of the priests at the temple. That is true. But it was an ordinance instituted by Jesus Christ. So if we wish to know all the details about what baptism is, to the New Testament Scriptures we must go. And the same thing could be said about the Lord's Supper. It was an ordinance instituted by Jesus Christ. It is a New Testament ordinance. The word wherein in our catechism indicates that we are about to learn something, that we are, that we are about to learn what happens in the Supper rather, wherein, by giving and receiving bread and wine, uh, so here we are told what the elements of the Lord's Supper are. They are bread and they are wine. And these elements are to be given and received according to Christ's appointment. That is to say, in accordance with His instructions. You'll notice how, um, how, how the same things are said Every Lord's Day when the supper is introduced and when you are invited to come and to partake, it's because Christ has told us what is to be said. The, the elements are to, they are to be blessed. Uh, they are to be, we, are, we are to give thanks uh, f- for them. We are to be reminded of what they signify. And in this way, uh, the, the Lord is to be um, honored and, and the people of God are to be invited to come and to partake. In fact, it, it came to my mind when reading the First Corinthians text, how much Paul stresses this. He he says, I'm giving to you what was given to me. So Paul did not invent what was to be done in the Lord's Supper, but he was carrying on a tradition. Where did that tradition come from? It came from Jesus in the upper room. And it was passed on to him through the other apostles who were there present. And so Paul, even though he was an apostle, did not feel the freedom to make the Lord's Supper whatever he wanted it to be, but he was being faithful to pass on this tradition established by Christ Himself. Here we are to use bread and wine, and we are to distribute these elements according to Christ's appointment, and that is to say, in accordance with His instructions. And when this is done faithfully, Christ's death is shown forth. The breaking of the bread is a symbol of Christ's body being broken, And when the cup is presented, it is a symbol of Christ's blood being shed. 
So we are reminded of many things. We're reminded of the incarnation. We're reminded of Christ's sinlessness. We're reminded of His substitutionary sacrifice. We are also reminded of His resurrection and His ascension and the hope of His eventual return. This one little sacred meal symbolizes so much. And you hear me emphasize different elements of that from week to week. And those who receive the elements in a worthy manner are said to be made partakers of Christ's body and blood. They partake of Christ's body and blood. I want you to listen to 1 Corinthians 10.16, which is listed as a proof text in our catechism. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So when we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, there is a sense in which we are participating in the body and blood of Christ. So there is that sense in which when we partake of the bread and the cup, we we participate or have fellowship or communion with Christ. Um, I just have this little remark in my notes. Sounds like more than a memorial to me. (laughs) And it is. It's not just a time for remembering. This is a sacred meal. And there is a sense in which when we eat of the the bread and drink of the cup, we are are participating in Christ. We We are partaking of Him, of His body, And of His blood. But notice the qualifications that our catechism makes to help guard us against the heirs of the Romanists and the Lutherans. Worthy receivers are not after a corporeal and carnal manner, but by faith made partakers of His body and blood. Corporeal means fleshly. Carnal means bodily. The point is clear, isn't it, in our catechism? When believers partake of the, the supper worthily and by faith... They feast on Jesus Christ, but not in a fleshly way. They feast on Him spiritually to the nourishment of their souls. They partake of Christ and receive all His benefits to their spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. It is a sacred meal that we eat. We do truly feast upon Christ spiritually. And the Lord's Supper is a means of grace to us. The people of God are truly nourished as they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I think this is a wonderful summary of what the Scriptures teach regarding the Lord's Supper. One, it should move us to never neglect the sacrament, but to partake each Lord's Day, knowing that it is a means of grace for us. God nourishes His people through this ordinance. Christ is really present with His people in the covenant meal, but not in a fleshly way. Can I remind the members of Emmaus of something, if you've been with us for a long time? We used to partake of the Lord's Supper monthly. Anybody remember? And now we partake of it weekly. And a lot of us were grown up in a tradition where the argument was, well, if we partake of the Lord's Supper weekly, it's going to it's going to grow common to us, you know. Has it grown common to anyone here? (laughs) Not in the least bit. I just want to state that publicly, you know. It is not grown common. It is a precious thing. Why would we why would we not want to come to the Lord's table? How could that ever grow common to a child of God? You are no child of God at all if coming to the Lord's table is something that you disregard or despise. The children of God are so very pleased to be invited to the Lord's table and to sit and to commune with God through faith in Christ. We should partake of the Lord's Supper as often as we assemble together as a congregation for worship on the Lord's Day. Two, this should also move us, this teaching should move us to partake worthily, that is to say by faith and with repentance. I do not want anyone here to excommunicate themselves, if you know what I mean. I've had a bad week, therefore I will not come. That's not right. 
come to the table. But before you come to the table, turn from your sin and cling to Christ by faith. Do it and come. You should not excommunicate yourself, but what you should do is turn from your sin and cling to Christ. And then come and feast upon Him for the nourishment that you need. You need Christ. Come to Him and consume Him by faith. Three, this should move the church, particularly the elders, to guard the table. Elders must warn Christians to come worthily. And also, elders must warn the faithless to abstain. For here our union with Christ is signified and enjoyed. So the Lord's Supper is a sacred meal to be enjoyed by Christ's church. It is not something for the world. What is the Lord's Supper? I'll read the answer one more time. It is such a beautiful answer. The Lord's Supper is an ordinance of the New Testament, instituted by Jesus Christ, wherein, by giving and receiving bread and wine, according to His appointment, His death is shown forth, and the worthy receivers are, not after a corporeal and carnal manner, but by faith, made partakers of His body and blood, with all the benefits, with all His benefits, rather, to their spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. Amen. Let's bow for a short prayer and then we will go to corporate prayer. Oh Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what the Lord's Supper is as a congregation, to approach it in a worthy manner as members of this congregation, also to guard the table. At the same time, oh Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to preach the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ and to call sinners to repentance so that they might come to the table, O oh Lord. I pray that we would be able to invite more and more to the table in the years to come as the gospel is proclaimed by us. O Lord, have mercy upon this land. Reconcile sinners to Yourself through Jesus the Messiah and by the working of Your Spirit as the Word is preached. Do this, O God, for Your glory. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, we pray. In Christ's name, Amen.